Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Oh, I am so here. I am at the jam-packed, perfect weather Minnesota State Fair. Ooh, I got a whole crowd this is going to be a good show because we're talking about beer. It's kind of the undercard of the state fair now. Oh, there's like 50-odd beers here now that you can only get here. The whole industry happens now. People are very excited about it. All right, so here's the plan today. I got a jam-packed, very good show. Ryan Tingey from MN Beer, Minnesota Beer, MNBeer.com. He's gonna be my sidekick through all of this because I can't do this alone. It's too difficult, it's too crazy. There's too much drinking to do alone. You need a friend. So Ryan is here with me. Hello everybody. Uh, we've got so many beers. If you could see us right now, you would think that we had just, uh, we're setting up for a frat party, but that is not what is happening. There are beers everywhere. Um, so we've got some really great guests today. I've got Lauren Bennett McGinty, the executive director of Minnesota Craft Brewer Guild. I've got Kevin Smith. He's a Ph.D. professor of agronomy, plant genetics with a specialty in barley. You didn't know you could be a professor of beer. Well, guess what? You can if you study hard, kids. All right. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about all of the beers here this year. And then we're going to learn a few things. All right, so Ryan, talk to me. This has been kind of a bonkers year, right? There's so many stunt beers. There's so many beers generally. Yeah, this has been crazy. The first year was, what, the mini donut beer? Yes. And then we had, like, the s'mores beer at, at Campfire. Um, and now it's just growing exponentially. It's crazy. Yeah, there's, there's a solid 50 surprise beers. And if you were up at the Minnesota Brewers Guild, you could try... So many more. All right, so let's talk about a couple of the trends. What do you think about the addition stunt beers? You're a beer critic. You've seen it all. What do you think about having a state fair with two, count them two, cotton candy beers? Yeah, that was interesting to me this year. The cotton candy, I didn't know really where that came from, but I suppose it's the fair. And, uh, you know, it was always the funnel cake or the, the s'mores or... But now you got the cotton candy, you got the shandies now. All right, let's talk about the two ones. So we tried the Freehouse Blue Barn uh, Indeed collaboration, which is meant to raise awareness of credit unions. Uh, so that's important to support our credit unions. But a lot going on in this beer before you put the cotton candy in. What did you think of the beer just by itself? I thought it was it was really sweet, but it had that like cotton candy finish. You didn't get a whole lot of the cotton candy. You got more of like the, the strawberry. Um, but yeah. You definitely, um, it's like lip glossy kind of stuff. That's what I said. <laughs> that was my said, tasting yeah. note in the back. It was like, it reminds me of a Bonnie Bell lip gloss, a thing that I was very enthusiastic about in <laughs> junior high. Uh, so, the, you know, have, have to be mean. Would you want a whole pint of it? No. <laughs> no, way too sweet. Yeah, I had the other one, which is up at the Speakeasy in uh, the Coliseum, the other cotton candy beer. And... Again, I just 
feel like it's just too sweet to want a whole pint of it. Is that the one with the rim on it, the cotton candy rim? Or uh, yeah, it? it has some floaty bits too. <laughs> Delicious. <laughs> so, are you know, obviously, you can't be a purist in this universe yeah. of ours anymore. But uh, so I tried some of the wackier ones. I tried the Fair State Cocoa Wit, which is a wheat beer with lime and coconut. And again, I don't really want it has that kind of suntan lotion taste to it Ooh, banana boat yeah banana boat yeah one of those um copper tone for old yeah. school but it doesn't it's not strong but it's just enough of it yeah that i don't like it yeah and i think if anywhere as a place for gimmicky beers it's here but at the same time yeah you don't want a full pint necessarily all the time these little glasses would be nice for it yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's the maybe that's the thing. Maybe we should do smaller ones. But what do you think about? So obviously this has energized the local brew scene, right? And it's got people doing experiments they wouldn't do otherwise. It's got people finding money they wouldn't find otherwise. So that's got its benefits. Yeah, I think what I really like about it is that you've seen the collaboration efforts. Like you got Indeed and Freehouse. Um, you've got Glenn Perkins did the beer with um, with Surly up there. The was it the that fastball beer or whatever they've got. So you're starting to see like collaborations. Um, I think that's really neat. I think that's always a good thing when you have brewers collaborating and doing things. Why together. Why would that be a good thing? <clears throat> I just think it's kind of fun. It kind of brings people together. You know, the scene's growing so much. It's getting really competitive. It's kind of nice to see them like get together and do things together. Because is, is that like how we share knowledge and grow and people yeah. learn and expand their knowledge base? Or do we just get a flattening that way? <laughs> No, I, th- I think they do. I think they bond over that sort of thing. And, and you know, these brewers, people are got to remember, these guys are friends, too. Like, they might work for different breweries. And it's kind of fun for them to get together and, and work on a project together. You know, it's not always great. It doesn't always turn out great. but It doesn't always turn out great. Do you, Is it wrong to say that? <laughs> is it unsupportive to say that? No, no. I mean, like, you know, if it's not a good beer, it's not a good beer, I guess. But. Okay, so we have one in front of us. It's the Lemon Drop Shandy from Tin Whiskers Brewing, which is up at Giggles Campfire. This might be my favorite of the stunt beers. Yeah. It's light. It doesn't have any kind of weird notes to it. It doesn't taste fake. I don't have any kind of lemon addition kind of feelings to it. Yeah, it doesn't have that, like, uh, that Lysol-y lemon kind of flavor to it. It, it <laughs> tastes like it's, you know... Real lemon. And then that's a tradition. Shandy is an actual, has a heritage, there's a reason for it. It's something you drink in the hot weather. Definitely, yeah. This And a lot of these beers are fitting, yeah, like this, this Shandy. Bauhaus has the Shandy with the mixed berry. That one's really good. Um, the short pants with the, the, um, that's the beer, the short pants with the berry mixed in. It's really nice. Those are kind of state beers I want to drink. It's something refreshing. All right, so I found the final tally. According to the State Fair, there are 80, 80 this time, uh, only at the State Fair beers. 80, 80. Who can drink 80 beers in 12 days? I mean, you have to come every day, pay admission at the door. People in the audience are all shaking their heads. I think we've got to pull it back a bit. All right, another one that was brought uh, for us to taste very generously from Mancini's the Funnel Cloud Amber Ale from Bad Weather. And so this is one that has the full-on sugar rim. And this is kind of a thing that happens here now. People put things on the beers to make them more fair-ish. Uh, we no longer have, like, 
bacon resting across the rim of it. I think this was a. I think this is good. I think it's a great beer. I think it's really. Um, it's not overly sweet like you would expect with a funnel cake. I think it's more of that like the um, like the dough, like the flavor of it. You know, like the the malt for sure. It's not an overly hoppy beer at all. It's very low bitterness. All right, and so then we gave you another one. This is the toasted pumpkin seed ale, and this is another Giggles campfire. So Giggles is a. We're gonna have the owner of Giggles on next week just because. It's a nice family story. I've been doing the Giggles Campfire area for years and years. And they kind of really expanded this beer section in the back. And I always go and look at the giant pumpkins. That's part of my state fair experience here. And so I think it's nice that they have a pumpkin yeah. something or other, toasted pumpkin seed. Yeah. What do you think? I think it's really nice. It's kind of almost got like a popcorn, but not in a bad way, like nose on it. It's interesting, but it's, it's really nice and not overly like hopped or anything like that. All right, so from your perspective at MN Beer, Minnesota Beer, how do you um, how do you feel like the state fair itself has impacted Minnesota beer culture? Here's what here's what I see. It's a big publicity opportunity. Definitely, definitely. I think it's a really you're starting to see a lot of these, and maybe it's just like this year's lamp at the fair, but. Those like milkshake beers, a lot of those are similar on like the, they got like the peach IPA here and like stuff like that. I think that it's making people try to do different things, like experiment with different flavors. Oh, so you feel like it's pushing people out of their comfort zone? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I think that's probably true. And it it, it gives you, um, I think a lot of people when they come here, they buy a pint and they share it between two or four people. So it gets us out of our comfort zone too. Yeah, for sure. So now I'm going to put you on this spot. Okay, so Fair State is always one of my absolute favorite brewers in the Twin Cities. And I hate this beer, this Cocoa Wit. I don't know if I hate it. I have to be extreme on the radio. But what? try it. Tell me if you think that it's got the suntan, suntan lotion flavor. Um, I think it's really hard to do something that's completely new and then not and then have it also be good it does kind of have that like i wonder if it's the yeast they use or something um the wit beer is going to have like that belgian kind of yeast to it um that might be what it is actually all right so it does kind of have that though all right so we went through some of the big we went through some of the big uh the craft brew emporiums mancini's has a bunch of uh them giggles has a bunch more and so these are ways of Getting people to try things, getting money into the craft beer community, and I'd say I think we're hitting about six out of ten at this point. Kind of. Yeah. That's not bad. That's not bad at all. All right, we're gonna take a break here. We're gonna come back. We're going to talk uh, about the whole craft brew experience with the president of the guild, Lauren Bennett McGinty, and uh, that's the plan, my friends. Stay tuned. We'll be have more with Lauren McGinty in a minute here on WCCO. Sarah here. All right, we're doing a special Minnesota State Fair beer show for a beautiful, perfect day at the Minnesota State Fair. Bernie Sanders was here. There were a ton of people come to see him. Now people with Bernie Sanders signs are walking past the Minnesota GOP booth, and people are yelling at each other. It's a mix-up, I'll tell you what's going on here. People are getting to know each other through signs and yelling but not here over at the beer area we're getting to know each other through raising a pint hi there there's just people coming up are those no those are (laughs) 
are these? Uh, I don't have an ID, sir. I can't tell if you're the correct age. I can't do this when I'm on the air. All right, people are just coming up with their IDs. That seems plausible. Uh, I, I don't even know how to read these things. Sure, you can take one of those. I don't really like that one. That's mead. I never like mead. There's a thing that, uh, <laughs> that happens in the Twin Cities. All right, so here's who we have as a guest right now. Lauren Bennett McGinty, executive director of Minnesota Craft Brewers Guild. A couple years ago, the Craft Brewers Guild set up up in the Ag Hort building, and they're sampling 450 beers. And we've brought Lauren Bennett McGinty here to recite them all. But Lauren, no, <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the show. All right, what are you doing up there on the hill? Are how's the what is the state of the Minnesota Craft Beer Guild? Uh, well, if you go up there, it's uh, crazy. <laughs> it's there are a lot of people running through there. Um, you know, I think the Minnesota Craft Brewers Guild is absolutely booming right now. We have at least one to two breweries joining every month. Uh, and just for context, back in 2011, before the Surly Bill passed, we had 20 breweries, and now we have 145. So Wow. And so that's every scale at this point, right? Yeah. So we have breweries who are putting out maybe 200 to 500 barrels a year, but then you've got breweries like Surly Summit Shells who are topping lists around the country of their production so we've got it from all the the smallest ones in the smallest cities up to the biggest ones in the biggest cities all right and so one of the things you do up there is you sell these flights of beer which are i think the hardest thing must be to get all of the beers in and then sort them into their categories because some of them are not quite one category another you get big size craft breweries and then the tiniest mom and pop places and they're all kind of everybody has to work in one of four categories right right so we i was only able to bring four categories but we have six up there right now which is awesome so um it kind of goes by the national brewers association standards of what they kind of call their six cat or their they have five categories and then we have a special minnesota mix category where we kind of mix in some four they can be friends they can hang out um and then yeah the breweries kind of self pick their categories based on the style of beer yeah yeah so they have to fit themselves in because otherwise i would be sorting through 450 beers trying to figure that out that but explains <laughs> they it they do help out <laughs> sometimes i go up and i'm like that one is not like the others yeah but that they don't know you know that's a self they they can say well this one's a little crisp and clean maybe it's compared to their other portfolio of beers that they have maybe you know they think it is that way but um i think it kind of makes for kind of a fun entertaining experience when you go up there because you might not get every single thing it might not be four pilsners it'll be something else so kind of exciting okay so obviously one of the cliches of american life these days is that every time there's an abandoned school or a factory or a library or a church a brewery goes into it right are we gonna ever hit saturation or this is just the new way of life I get that question a lot. I think there's certainly going to be, you know, you'll probably see in the next few years more closings of breweries just because they might not be able to keep up with production. Um, But I think in small communities, we're seeing growth. So that really means outside of the metro area, you're seeing a lot more breweries pop up in small towns because they need something on their main street to kind of help revitalize that town and keep young people there. And I think there are a lot of places, breweries and brewery owners who are coming back to their towns where they grew up and they want to give back to their community and they want to create a spot where everyone can come and join together. So I think we're going to see more of that for sure. Are we seeing more one person breweries? I feel like I'm seeing more like it's a mom and pop and the pop has a brewery and the mom is a teacher. Like, I feel like that's a thing that I see a fair amount. Yeah. I think there's a lot of small, especially those smaller ones out in greater Minnesota. It's, um, you know, a really hardworking team of two or three people and it's kind of a family affair. They, 
that you know it might be a, a pair of people that I grew up together or it could be a husband wife or you know what we see a lot of you know, the pairing of the married couples working together to make it all run and making sure that some of them still have full-time jobs and keeping a brewery. Families help out a lot too, which is really exciting. All right, so I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay. So we have a couple of different categories. We've got dark and roasty, roasty, crisp and clean, fruity, spicy, tart and funky, and a, just a generic Minnesota mix. mix. What? Give me, give me a place to start. Where would... Uh, I would start with the crisp and clean. You probably typically would want to start light and then kind of move into the dark. I don't have the hoppy category up here, but that one, I think you could probably argue that dark and hoppy, it depends on how hoppy it is, which one you want to go last. But I would start with crisp and clean, and I have a cheat sheet. I'm not, you're not totally putting me on the spot. Oh, no. Okay, so this is what my question, is that we've been trying to have a Minnesota style for many years, right? People have been talking about this, and there was a lot of thought that it was a sort of surly style, like the IPA that's everything. It's super everything. It's super hoppy. It's super malty. It's super, it goes to 11 in every category. Is that what you're seeing now at the Guild? Like, are, is that, is there starting to be a Minnesota style? I don't, I don't know if I'm seeing that as much. I think um, a lot of breweries in Minnesota are starting to move towards a lot of pilsners and light lagers and I think you know Ryan could probably speak to that too because he writes about that kind of stuff all the time but you're seeing so much more of that and I think there are some breweries out there who wishes that the pilsner was the Minnesota style yeah and those are the harder beers to make too those are not easy beers to make <clears throat> it's easy to cover up flaws with hops with IPA stuff like that um, so a lot of people are trying to showcase what they can do with pilsners Kolsch's those are very popular I think of Summit as having the the regional pilsner to beat yeah. Is that still yeah, true? Yeah, Keller Pills is one of my favorite beers made here. So. Keller Pills. If you want one Minnesota beer to try and you're not at the State Fair, that's a great one. It'll be at the State Fair at some point. Well, <laughs> I mean, the- <laughs> I don't even know how you would pick one beer here at the State Fair because there's so many things to choose from and so many, um, I don't know, so many stunts. And the, I find the stunts really fun, but that's because I'm not, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't have a lot of skin in the game. It's just fun. I just float around and, like, try all these things. I don't know what I would do if I was a brewer and I got a whole tank of something full of coconut to move along. Yeah, it's, it's funny that the trends that are going on these days, like with the, with the milkshake IPAs, that's getting kind of tired, like the, the Northeast-style IPA. But people love them. People drink them. That brings people to the, brew, the tap rooms. So that's why you see people making those. Um, for a while, it was, like, West Coast IPAs and, and sours. And we had the year of the milkshake. Everything was a milkshake ale. Yeah, it's getting kind of tired, but it's people are going there to buy that stuff. So it's like so tired milkshake ales, wired pilsners. Is that what we're taking away here? That's what I'm going with. I like that. I think a lot of beer people too are super heavy into the pilsners. I'm like my fridge at home is mostly full of pilsners because it's just if you do it well, it tastes really really good, and it's just a wonderful beer to have any time of year. That's what the brewers drink. I yeah. mean, that's what I drink a lot too. It's just like a clean pilsner. Um, it's it's just that's what you see them drinking. Yeah. Kind of Oh, Germany and Czechoslovakia can't be wrong. All right, uh, Lauren, we're going to have to let you go in a minute here. Thank you for coming down from the Craft Brewer Brewer Guild uh, Emporium up at the Ag Hort building, the most hopping part of the fair. Uh, if you had pe- if you want to send people away with one thing they should try this year, they're going to make a list. They're going to try a Minnesota beer, either a style or a 
What should what should their takeaway be to to support their Minnesota Brewers? What should they look for? Yeah, I mean, go to your local tap room, try the beer there, and when you go to a liquor store, just pick up something new, try something different. Uh, a lot of fall and winter beers are coming out right now. Everybody's got a, an Oktoberfest, so you pick one of those up in the next couple of weeks and. Visit the Minnesota Craft Brewers Guild events. We've got one coming up on October 19th, Autumn Brew Review. We've got 100 breweries there. So that's, you know, that's kind of our thing. We'd love to promote all the breweries. So if you want to try more beer from more breweries, you can visit stuff like that and get a good smattering of everything. <laughs> Those are the better events, too. Like, if you're, if you're going to go to a beer event, go to a guild event. They're not, Thanks, it's Ryan. not full of people. <laughs> no, it's, it's true. It's like, it's not full of people with, like, drunk and falling over. It's like people that want to try beer. And it's not a for-profit event. So no, it's for, not. We are a so, nonprofit. So that's very cool, too. All right. Good Minnesota tradition. Lauren, thank you so much for bringing down these things. And you have education stages all day. We're going to have Kevin Smith, a professor of barley, basically coming in to talk about barley in a minute here. But you, but people want to learn more, they can hang out at the Ag Hort building at the Minnesota Guild craft brewers guild exhibit and learn yeah yeah thanks for having me dara all right thank you thank you we're going to take a little break here when we come back we are going to talk barley all things barley it's not just about making these awesome lemon drop shandies it's more than that when we come back it's 75 degrees and uh 237 here at wcco we are live from the state fair we're having a good old beer show. I am Dara Moskowitz-Grumdahl. I write about all things for Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine. I come on every weekend to talk about all things you can eat and drink. And today we're at the beautiful Minnesota State Fair. We're talking about beer. I've got so many beers in front of me. It looks like a party gone crazy. But I bet this is just an everyday occurrence for Kevin Smith. This is what your office looks like, professor in the Department of Agronomy and Plant Genetics at the University of Minnesota. Uh, I snagged him from the Beer Guild. He's given a presentation on barley. Is this what your office looks like, just full of beer? Well, I wish it was what my office looked like, <laughs> but not really, no. All right, give us the give us the lowdown. What is up in barley in the great state of Minnesota? So, yeah, my lab works on the research of genetics of barley, and the applied outcome of that is uh, new barley varieties. So what we're trying to do is develop varieties that can be grown by farmers in Minnesota and the surrounding area that are going to be useful to the malting and brewing industry because they're the major users of barley uh, in our state. And Minnesota's had a long history of uh, barley production um, over the past 100 years or so. And but now I've heard through the through the barley vine or the grapevine that a lot of barley production has moved to the Dakotas. Is it going to come back? Yeah, it has moved sort of steadily north and west um, over the last couple of decades. Um, we had well over a million acres of barley 50 years ago. We're down to around 100,000 now. Oh, so that's it's, down a lot. It's a lot, yeah. So it's it's mainly competition with other crops like corn and soybeans that are more profitable for farmers. But um, I think what's been really interesting is the rise of the craft brewing industry and what that's done to what people are thinking about in terms of agriculture and barley in the state. There's certainly a lot of interest from the craft brewers about sourcing their ingredients more locally. And so they would like to see more barley produced in the state that could be used, um, used in their industry. And so that's one of the things that we've done in our research program is start to direct more effort towards the kind of barley varieties that would be useful for craft brewers. All right, so as a you know beer, food, wine person, I want barley to grow here because I want not 
there to be an epic sameness to all beer. I want beer to be a little different. But g- give a pitch, if you can, to a farmer. What's in it for them to grow barley? Well, th- there, there are still farmers who really like to grow barley, and I think they, they want to grow other crops. Uh, so for one thing, it's really important in, in a farming operation to have rotation of different crops on your farm. So uh, small grain crops like barley are really were always very important in that rotation, and there's a lot of interest uh, for farmers to bring those back into the rotations now. What I think is really interesting is there's now this also this local uh, demand for barley that could actually help to incentivize that. So um, a lot of times farmers make economic decisions about what they grow, and so that, that has to weigh into their decisions. But I think, you know, there are opportunities. I hear from a lot of the, the brewers that I visit with that we would love to see more barley grown. They're starting to become a small craft malting industry in the state. Yeah, tell me about that. So up in the northwest chunk of the state, there's actually a, a small cooperative you were telling me about. Yeah, so there's a farm family um, in, in Crookston, Minnesota. They've been uh, growing barley for generations, several generations. And uh, just within the past few years, they started a malt a malting business. So they have a small malt operation, and they are malting the barley that they've grown on their farm, and then they're marketing that malt to brewers in the Duluth area in northern Minnesota. And they're going to be expanding that malt house now um, in the next year. So they may be able to take malt from other farmers and sort of build on that. So I think that's one of the things that will have to happen in the sort of supply chain is having that malting industry develop alongside of the growing uh, brewing industry. And malting, for people that don't know, it's a way of, of transferring just the raw barley grain into... Yeah, so, yeah, most people don't realize there's sort of two separate processes of malting and brewing. So you take barley and you convert it to malt essentially by putting it in water and letting it germinate. And that germination process, that seed germination process, does a lot of the sort of the magic to barley that makes it into malt. And then it's kilned and dried, and then that dried malt then goes to a brewer and they would use it as their one of their raw ingredients. So then you're selling it as a value-added product. It's not just a pile of barley under a tarp at the side of the road. It's a, it's a thing you can just throw yeah. into your brewer's kettle. Absolutely, and for farmers, they get paid a premium for malting barley. So barley that is a variety that's used by brewers and that it's grown so that it's it's, it's acceptable for malting gets a usually gets a fairly good premium price. So there is a price incentive for farmers to grow malting barley. All right, so Ryan, Ryan Tingey is here from Minnesota, uh, Minnesota Beer, MinnesotaBeer.com. Ryan, what are you seeing? Are people excited about barley, or is this just nerdery that they're not there yet? Yeah, I think uh, people are excited about local ingredients in general. Um, you have Mighty Ox Hops. Um, you also have uh, barley, and you have Emma's doing a great job with that, uh, trying to bring barley back. Um, you see uh, Mark at Summit is doing, his brother has a barley farm out in North Dakota, that Dakota Soul Beer is made uh, specifically with that ingredient. Um, so I think local ingredients are trending for sure, and I think it's it's going to be big in the future. All right, I hope it keeps up. All right, so uh, Kevin Smith, thank you so much for coming down to talk to us. So let's leave us with a, a final word about barley. Is there, can people taste it? Can you taste barley at the Minnesota State Fair? Like in a beer, is there a, a particular beer style or beer that you drive people towards to say like, oh, this is what I do with my life, barley? There are, I mean, the, the maltier flavored beers are really featuring the, the barley in the beer. And there are some studies now that are looking at actually the contribution of different barley varieties to flavor. So just like you have wine, uh, grape vines, or grapes that have certain flavor characteristics, 
they're starting to see that there are certain varieties that have that too, but that's a very early stage. I have never in all my years of reading beer notes seen a barley varietal called out. There are, I've seen a few labels now where they'll list the variety on there. Really? So Golden Promise is a variety. It's an older variety from Scotland that's been used. And Golden Promise? Yes. That's so nice sounding. Maris Otter. That's another one that's a very popular. Maris Otter. Yeah. Oh, i got to learn some barley names. Those are UK varieties, right? That's correct, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's one thing that's interesting about barley is that the identity of the barley, the, the varietal identity is preserved all the way through the, the supply chain, unlike sort of corn and soybeans where it's just corn or it's just soybeans. Well, that's an incentive. What do I got to do around this town to get a barley named after me? Get a <clears throat> well, um, you can sample more beer and tell us what, what works for you. All right, I'm in. I'm on a, I'm on a campaign. Kevin Smith, <laughs> the professor of the Department of Agronomy and Plant Genetics at the University of Minnesota. Thank you for coming down. Kevin is going to be presenting up at the Minnesota Craft Brewers Guild. No barley, no beer. I like that, but it's not N-O, it's like K-N-O-W. But I guess it's also, it works the other way, no barley, no beer. We wouldn't be doing any of this without some barley. All right, so thank you for creating beer for all of us through Barley Genetics, sir. Thank you. <laughs> all right, we're going to take a little break here. We're going to come back with some of the hard stuff, and I still have Ryan Tingey here to talk about beer at the Minnesota State Fair where everybody is getting at the great get-together, getting together, and lifting a pint. <laughs> Dara here at the great Minnesota get-together, the Minnesota State Fair. It is a perfect day. It is not too hot. It is uh, just cloudy. It's kind of perfect. We're wrapping up the beer show. We're doing Beer to Chaser. Mark Schiller dropped by. He's the president of Loon Liquors down in Northfield. All right, Mr. Mark Schiller, tell us, what are you doing here? Because you can't pour booze at the great Minnesota get-together. That's not happening. This is true. Yeah, there are no spirits allowed uh, legally at the fair here. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I'm the president of the Minnesota Distillers Guild, and this is our first year that the Minnesota Distillers have a presence at the state fair. So we're showing off Minnesota agricultural usage in the new up-and-coming distilled spirits world in Minnesota. So we're showing off here wheat, rye, barley, corn, uh, sorghum molasses, honey, blueberries, all these different things that Minnesota distilleries are using and we're showing off. We're also offering uh, $5 micro distillery passports. So you get a buy one, get one free drink or other $5 off or other deals at 17 different distilleries across Minnesota. All right. So what is the big news in Minnesota distilling? I know what I think it is. I think it's been this, this explosion of the of the the finer spirits what does it look like to you yeah that's a great question i think the explosion is coming in all forms so there are people coming out with rums you're starting to see rums starting to come out you're starting to see single malts you're starting to see different styles of bourbon different styles of gin different styles of akavit different styles of vodka i mean it really runs the gamut so it's so new in in the distilling world that when you looked at when beer introduced there was an explosion of people trying different things in different ways and i guess the better question is what's not new you know within the distilled spirits world (laughs) well all right so you're selling this passport so for five bucks you're up in the new i think of it as the north loop of the state fair this (laughs) little area that's uh, over in the northernmost section and it's got uh, bespoke bicycles and uh you know gluten-free sandwiches and also you're up there yeah definitely yeah we're we're so proud and excited to be up at the new end of the fair it's kind of fitting that we're in the new portion of the state fair right next to angry birds and actually it's really close to the hangar bar so it's the northwest 
corner of the hangar bar then we got a, a tent out there and we've got the still we got that out there we've got a bunch of different volunteers from all the different distilleries across the state and uh we're showing up in force our passports are selling like like hotcakes you know passports typically go for like 20 bucks or 30 bucks but it's our first year and we're just like let's just do it at five let's make a lot of noise so it, the, the, the point of getting the passport is it has you know you can go to far north spirits and get a one drink get one free and and some of them have a 20 percent off any purchase so a bunch of mm-hmm. discounts but 17 distillers you got a guild yeah. your, your guild can still fit in a conference room yeah yeah we certainly can <laughs> yeah but uh what's really great though is uh we just have some new up-and-coming distilleries saw our uh, our booth at the fair and they're starting to join so actually we've had three or four distilleries join the guild just in the last week so we've jumped up effectively 20%. Our guild has grown 20% in the last week here. So it's going it's going bananas. Yeah, That's and there's an a lot of efficient use of your time. <laughs> I like to think so. You know, I mean, we're touching a lot of, of folks out here. It's been fantastic. Yeah, we've getting overwhelming response, and yeah, a lot of folks asking asking great questions. All right, so in your little passport, mm-hmm. that's an astonishing quantity of grain y'all are using now. Yes. In 2018, 2.3 million pounds of Minnesota yes. grain. If we can't send it to China, we're just going to drink it. I think that's a plan. <laughs> we could do, That's what we're going to do, these trade wars. We'll just keep it, keep it, drink it. <laughs> totally, totally. And what's really great about it is that when the distillers are sourcing directly from the farmer, on average, they're paying about 20% or 50% up towards uh, more of a premium for their grain than the farmer would be getting it just selling it off to a cooperative so since they're using it these real high quality grains um they're they're able to source directly with the farmer and uh it's it's really cool to see all the different partnerships and that's what we're highlighting out at our booth this year all right mark schiller from loon liquors thank you for coming down thank you i appreciate it all right ryan tingy i'm gonna wrap it up with you we just got a couple minutes here so you've gotten to try a whole bunch of the the minnesota great get together the new beers we had some stunt beers do you have you got a favorite um, i really like this uh, funnel cake one from f- bad weather i think that's really nice all right so that is the funnel cake from uh, bad weather and that is at mancini's right across the right across the way there so right here at the great minnesota get together um and if people are kind of intimidated by the 80 odd beers where do you think? Give them some advice. Where I'll tell you where I would start. I'll just no. I'll let you go first, and then I'll. Uh, I would start at the Guild booth up there, and uh, they have a bunch of different um, uh, beers that are brewed locally, but they are not like the gimmicky beers. I would start there, or else I would go to the Ballpark Cafe. The Ballpark Cafe has a bunch of them. They are. Uh, I tr- It's hard to. A thing I like about the Guild is that you're not in the hole for a whole pint if you end up with something you don't like. Exactly. I really like that. The flight option is really nice. Um, it's nice to have, you know, little samples. You can try them. You can just get out of there. <laughs> All right. People are inspired and they want to try the beers. You do that. You get out there and, and experience this. All right. So this has been me, Dara moskowitz Grumdahl. I write at Minneapolis-St. Paul Magazine. I'm going to come up with my top five beers somehow this week and get them up at mspmag.com. So far, I've got my top foods up there. It was the waffle from the Hamlin Dining Hall. That thing is amazing with the cream cheese ice cream. I never knew a thing about cream cheese icing until this week. Now I'm super into it. It's amazing. Um, All right, so what's going to happen next week on Off the Menu? Well, I will tell you what's going to happen. We're going to get some wisdom up in here. 
Giggles Weiss of Giggles Campfire Grill and Pat Mancini of Mancini's, they're going to come on to talk about how to keep your family in business together and do the fair. I think this is astonishing. I don't think a lot of families would have the the emotional sophistication to manage to do this because it is a, a, thr- a scrum. You are together for 18 hours a day in a high-stress environment. So I get some wisdom from these people. What have they learned persisting year after year and then keeping your whole family together and prospering? I just need this wisdom from them, and I'm hoping they're going to pile a big old state fair basket high of some wisdom for me. Until then, may your shoes be comfortable and your conversations brave. And I will meet you here next week on Off the Menu.